All right. Good morning. Welcome to Eastern Taiwan. Uh, <clears throat> today, continuing discussion of Sutta Nipata, the 71 um, short suttas divided into five vagas or chapters. We're still in the first Uraga Vaga. But uh, moving along, this is going to be today Sutta number seven called Vasala Sutta. And um, the, the write-up on Access to Insight is uh, called a Discourse on Outcasts or the Outcast Sutta about people who've been outcast or thrown out of society or those that are on the margin or um, the low end of society. And the write-up here is, The Buddha explains to a Brahmin what qualities really make one worthy of being branded an outcast. Meaning, what, what really makes a person um, superior or inferior or socially elevated or not, or truly elevated? What, what is the basis of true elevation or superiority? Superiority doesn't mean the best. It just means better in certain aspects than uh, others in their own relative development of those aspects or functions, right? So superior intellect doesn't mean a superior person. <laughs> it just means the intellect is more developed. Or superior morality means a person uh, who's developed uh, morality much more highly than uh, others. So, anyway, uh, if... I sent you three links. <clears throat> We're going to go through three uh, pages, two versions of the translation, and one very briefly about Buddhist rebirth, uh, which uh, goes through the cosmology of 31 planes, 31 planes being divided into Triloka, um, Buddhist cosmology or cosmic structure. Obvi I've many times correlated it to the raw material, um, but... This sutta deals with um, Buddha Gautama speaking to a Brahmin, a Hindu, uh, a pre, uh, a somebody of the Brahmin caste, the highest caste of India 2,500 years ago, and where one goes after death or the consequences of activity here and... Um, uh, the the essential point you you see first of all in ancient India twenty five hundred years ago and and similar to today in most countries social status is considered important most people consider um, social status uh, important and a determinant of um, personal worth and value I'm important because I'm the CEO of a corporation and so. The fundamental teaching <clears throat> here is seen in verse 27 of the Piyadasi translation, which reads briefly, Not by birth is one an outcast, not by birth is one a Brahman, Brahman meaning um, high caste person. By deed one becomes an outcast, by deed, one becomes a Brahman. And <clears throat> that's exactly the same in the Tanisaro Bhikkhu, Tanisaro translation. Not by birth is one an outcast, 
Not by birth is one a Brahman, but by action or deed, one is an outcast. By action, one is a Brahman. And and so the idea is, uh, it's not by birth that anyone has any kind of moral superiority or guaranteed future rebirth, but by their deeds. And there are two types of deeds. There's the deed of speech and the deed of um, physical activity, like what do you do with your hands and your body. And so what you do with your hands and your body, what you do with your mouth and what comes out of it is called deed. That is the means by which one either could be called outcast or a socially what uh, an unimportant or unvaluable person whatever outcast means right cast out from society a um lowly a lowly person if we because he's gautama is using the brahmanical system of the four castes which i think were uh brahmins and then warriors kshatriya and then merchants and then uh untouchables something like that they're different renderings of the caste system <clears throat> that's been going on in India for thousands of years. It was well established 2,500 years ago already. <clears throat> Gautama is reframing it from a Buddhist perspective. The Buddhist perspective is morality first. Morality first. That's what Buddhism is all about. Shila as the basis of samadhi and prajna, right? Shila meaning ethical behavior, particularly Panchashila, which you're going to see here in the uh, verses of the Sutta. Uh, Gautama is uh, repeating again and again and again um, the range and detail of moral activity <clears throat> in particularly body and speech, how you use your body and hands and what comes out of your mouth, how you live, right? Livelihood, action, speech. So the uh, teachings of moral activity by which one becomes a Brahmin or becomes a what <laughs> a superior value worth a worthy right there's a term uh, one of the terms one of the translations for a chinese term i think it's a chinese term <clears throat> for a monk or a sage the term translation is worthy a worthy he's a worthy not it is worthy he is a worthy <clears throat> as a term of, of for the sage or the renunciate or the yogi who follows moral behavior particularly Panchashila and the three aspects of Shila in the Eightfold Path, as I said before, right livelihood, right action, right speech, right speech, right action, right livelihood. Very, very straightforward, actually, and not much different than the Ten Commandments, um, which some religionists follow, um, some who claim to be. And uh, it's one's value as a being. If you want to talk about the, you know, the, you, you see, Gautama in a way was using it, was, was using um, somewhat of a distorted, uh, use, using some truth to work within a distorted system. The distorted system was the Brahmanical or the Hindu caste system attributing uh, social worth and position to uh, people by birth, by birth, 
you're born into a caste, you stay there till you die. If you do your danda and you do your dharma and you do what's expected for people at that caste level, then presumably you'll be born, reborn into a higher caste next lifetime. So they understand reincarnation. <laughs> they just don't understand the value of um, deed uh, and action in the, in the creation of one's value or one's soul development. Uh, but they're, you know, he was he was working with a re regressive, retrogressive system, <clears throat> in some which 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 attributed to birth, um, which attributed uh, spiritual value to birth. You're born in a high caste uh, family, or family in a high one of the higher castes. Thus shall you stay all your life. Thus you are valuable and worthy. Uh, same or nearly same as what Yeshua met talking to the Hebrews and the people around the lost sheep that he was trying to help, whereby one by birth, by blood, is superior or inferior and thus privileged or marginalized by birth, by blood. That's the similar to the Hindu system. So this is a similar... Um, reformulation of morality and virtue and purpose and um, essentially life purpose or the, the meaning and purpose of human life um, reformulated by Gautama, reformulated by Yeshua, working on the Hindu caste system, working on the Hebrew um, birth and blood based uh, systems that uh, were prevalent at the time of Yeshua. In both cases, we have reformers, Gautama and Yeshua, uh, addressing the what they saw as the distortions of the prior system, that one is one's worth and value is associated with one's conduct, one's activity, not birth or blood. And birth or blood can also go to body and possessions and social status. And so there are... Um, conditions of the first three chakras of 3D space-time that human beings in this sad little blue blue orb uh, use to uh, identify and self-define uh, as uh, proof of their superiority, so they think, such as birth family or blood or tribe or caste, and then body condition, I'm beautiful, a beautiful woman and a handsome man, a big strong guy and a, a lovely pretty woman, uh, typical. Uh, body and possessions, right, I'm valuable because I'm rich and you're shitty because you're poor, right? And a lot of people who don't have possessions or don't have body, uh, you know, what, beauty, strength, health, something, whatever is valued, People who don't have them buy into them as much as those that do, generally. Like I've said, most of the time the problem is not... The, the people, the, the oppressed, support the system as much as the oppressors. It's just that the oppressed long for a higher position. And so it's what I've seen, commonly, people who are downtrodden um, don't think the system is the problem, but their lower position within it. Likewise, the people of so-called uh, inferior birth or blood or tribe or caste 
from what I've seen, they, not me, they generally seem to buy into it as much as those uh, on the higher position, in the higher positions of the social pecking order, caste or birth or blood system. So you've got birth family, birth, blood, caste, tribe. You've got body condition, health or sickness, um, beauty or ugly, uh, great capacity or weakness. <clears throat> you've got material possessions, wealth or poverty, and you've got social status, fame and honor versus um, blame and dishonor, right? The worldly wins. So these are of the first three chakras. These are um, material achievements or conditions that by, uh, whereby or that uh, end up, that, that people end up using to define their worth and value. And Gautama is speaking against that now. So let's look in. Uh, Vasala Sutta, Discourse on Outcasts. I'm going to read from Piyadasi uh, Tara because it's better, uh, the layout is better, and the translations are about the same. So, Vasala Sutta, Discourse on Outcasts. Thus have I heard. On one occasion, the Blessed One was living near Savati at Jetawana at Anattapindika's monastery. Then in the forenoon, the Blessed One, having dressed himself, took bowl and double robe and entered the city of Savati for alms. Now, at that time, a fire was burning and an offering was being prepared in the house of the Brahmin Agika Bharadvaja, right? So another Bharadvaja, maybe not the same plowman as uh, the previous sutta, but this is Agika or Ajika, Ajika Bharadvaja. Then the Blessed One, while on his alms round, came to the Brahmin's residence. The Brahmin, seeing the Blessed One some way off, said this, quote, Stay there, you shaveling. Stay there, you wretched monk. Stay there, you outcast. When he spoke thus, the Blessed One said to the Brahmin, Do you know, Brahmin, who, is, who an outcast is and what the conditions are that make an outcast? No, indeed, Venerable Gautama, I do not know who, who an outcast is, nor the conditions that make an outcast. It is good if Venerable Gautama were to explain the Dhamma to me, so that I may know who an outcast is, and what the conditions are that make an outcast. And so, the commentary here, <clears throat> um, at the bottom of uh, the translation by Piyadasi says, The abusive terms used by the Brahmin, and the respectful address that follows right after need a word of explanation. The Brahman, uh, Ajika Bharadvaja, had just prepared his offering to the great Brahma, his god, when his eyes fell on Buddha. So he's about to do a fire puja to Brahma. To the Brahman, the sight of the Shramana, a shaven-headed recluse, was an unlucky sign. Why, I don't know. Hence he burst into angry words. The Buddha, however, was unruffled and spoke to him quietly in words of soft cadence. From the Pali original, he could figure that out. The Brahmin apparently was ashamed, and repenting of his folly, addressed the Buddha courteously. That's a Komaraswami, I think, commentary. Commentary or Komaraswami's commentary. It's interesting to note the Buddha's, the Buddha's stress on anger and hatred in the very first sutta, or stanza. The very first stanza is against anger and hatred, 
And Gautama demonstrates that quite well by not getting angry when the guy said, uh, you little, from the, he said, you, sh you little shaveling. <laughs> shaveling. Shave, shaveling means somebody who shaved. A clergyman or priest with a tonsured head. A baldy, we would normally say in the temple. A baldy is a shaveling, is one who shaved their head um, in the religious order. Um, uh, in Tanisaro, uh, Tanisaro's translation, the uh, Ajika Bharadvaja said, Stop right there, you little shaveling. Right there, you little contemplative. Right there, you little outcast. And so he was pissed off. Uh, and he was basically about to do a fire puja, fire ritual for Brahma, as they still do in India. And so uh, <laughs> one should uh, not idealize Hindu religion or Hindu culture or India, as I just discovered, again, going, coming, going to India for two weeks in April. Uh, while they accept reincarnation and they accept the law of karma and they accept um, the reality of higher self, Atman, yes, indeed, and the reality of a path of soul evolution, which is great, right? Reincarnation, multidimensionality, soul and higher self, law of karma, consequentiality, karmic law. Yet, <laughs> the basis of exoteric or conventional Hindu uh, theory and practice um, seems to be magical ritual propitiation of gods to get stuff. Uh, that seems to be what they're doing a lot. Magical ritual practice seeking to get, get this and that from them. Get this and that from higher dimensional beings who will give you stuff or help you along. And so it's super duper bhaktipada, meaning path of devotion, uh, that in some cases is uh, very holy, and in other cases um, is goes to black magic. So, <clears throat> don't idealize, but uh, look carefully. So, uh, let's then go back to Piyadasi and read the sutta straight through. So, after this interruption of um, Ajika Bharadvaja's fire puja, and Gautama kindly retorting to the insults of being an outcast and a little shaveling, uh, and the Brahmin's request to be taught, well, okay, you do tell me about what's an outcast. I'd like to know what you think, since you, you seem to be a special kind of guy. <clears throat> uh, he goes on, listen then, Brahmin, and pay attention, Gautama says, and I will speak. Yes, venerable sir, replied the Brahmin. And now we have the uh, 22, no, 27 um, stanzas. So Gautama speaks. Whoever is angry, harbors hatred, and is reluctant to speak well of others, meaning discredits the good of others, perverted in views, deceitful, know him as an outcast. Whoever, whosoever in this world kills living beings, once born or twice born, and that's certain types of animals, in whom there is no sympathy for living beings, know him as an outcast. Whosoever destroys and besieges villages and hamlets and becomes notorious as an oppressor, know him as an outcast. Be it in the village, 
or in the forest. Whosoever steals what belongs to others, what is not given to him, know him as an outcast. And so I'll just go through the rest of these, and you should understand that uh, that's the one you can know as an outcast. In Tanisaro's reading, it's almost the same. It's he should be known as outcast. Know him as an outcast, or he should be known as outcast. So the one who is an outcast, the one who should be rightly outcast or cast out from a community of those that are seeking um, self-transformation in love wisdom or those that are seeking nirvana or the end of the path or freedom from rebirth or the heart of non-dual being right as uh, we look into Advaita Vedanta for those that are truly on the positive path <clears throat> uh, those that are not <laughs> can be understood as the those who uh, live uh, in live suchly as will be described as the outcast or the one who ought to be cast out and so uh, what you've got first is whoever is angry I'll just read through them and you can understand one whosoever is angry harbors hatred is reluctant to speak well of others discredits the good of others perverted in views deceitful that's one to outcast whosoever in this world kills living beings once born or twice born in whom there is no sympathy for living beings whosoever destroys and besieges villages and hamlets and becomes notorious as an oppressor be it in the village or in the forest whoever steals what belongs to others what is not given to him whosoever having actually incurred a debt runs away when he's pressed to pay saying I owe no debt to you whosoever coveting anything kills a person going along the road and grabs whatever that person has he who for his own sake or for the sake of others or for the sake of wealth utters lies when questioned as a witness <clears throat> whosoever by force or with consent associates with the wives of relatives or friends whosoever being wealthy supports not his mother and father who have grown old whosoever strikes and annoys by harsh speech mother father brother sister or mother-in-law or father-in-law whosoever when questioned about what is good says what is detrimental and talks in an evasive manner whosoever having committed an evil deed <clears throat> wishes that it may not be known to others and commits evil in secret <clears throat> whosoever having gone to another's house and partaken of choice food does not honor that host by offering food when he repays the visit whosoever deceives by uttering lies a Brahmin or an ascetic or any other mendicant whosoever when a brahmin or ascetic appears during mealtime angers him by harsh speech and does not offer him any alms whosoever in this world shrouded by shrouded in avidya or ignorance speaks harsh words or falsehood expecting to gain something whosoever debased by his pride exalts himself and belittles other whosoever is given to anger is miserly 
has based desires and is selfish, deceitful, shameless, and fearless in doing evil. Whosoever reviles the enlightened one, the Buddha, or a disciple of the Buddha, a recluse, or a householder. Whosoever, not being an arahant, a consummate one, meaning complete and perfect enlightened, pretends to be so, is a thief in the whole universe. He is the lowest of outcasts. And then the concluding lines, Not by birth is one an outcast. Not by birth is one a Brahmin. By deed one becomes an outcast. By deed one becomes a Brahmin. Know ye or know by the example I now cite, which is know what, the fact that by birth one is not an outcast. The story is, there was an outcast son, Sopaka, who became known as Matanga, meaning that was his um, kind of renunciate name. This Matanga attained the highest fame, so difficult to gain. Many were the warriors, Kshatriyas, and Brahmins who went to attend on him. Mounting the celestial chariot, the Noble Eightfold Path, and driving along the passion-free high road, Sopaka, now a monk, reached Brahma realm, which is uh, Arupaloka, having given up sense desires. His lowly birth did not prevent him from being reborn in the Brahma realm. There are Brahmins born in the family of preceptors, kinsmen of Veda hymns. They are often seen committing evil deeds. In this life itself they are despised. In the next they are born in an evil state of existence. High birth does not prevent them from falling into a woeful state or from censure. Then the concluding verse, Not by birth is one an outcast, not by birth is one a Brahmin, by deed, or we can say by action, one becomes an outcast, by deed or action one becomes a Brahmin. And then, when the Buddha had thus spoken, the Brahman, Ajika Bharadvaja, said to the Blessed One, Excellent, O Venerable Gautama, excellent. Just as, O Venerable Gautama, a man were to set upright what had been overturned, or were to reveal what had been hidden, or were to point the way to one who had gone astray, or were to hold an oil lamp in the dark, so that those with eyes may see things, even so, in many ways, has the Venerable Gautama expounded the Dhamma, the doctrine. I take refuge in the Venerable Gautama, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, the Order. May the Venerable Gautama accept me as a lay follower who has taken refuge from this day onwards while life lasts. And so, basically what we've got is uh, 21, uh, 20 verses of uh, behaviors particularly uh, speech and, you know, conduct, by which one should be judged an outcast or should be outcast from the community of those that sincerely seek, um, you know, virtue, seek, seek wisdom in virtue, seek development in virtuous wisdom, <laughs> wisely and virtuously seek total transformation. From that community those that do harm and don't regret or repent or move away from that should be outcast. That's the point. That's the point. If you want a harmonious society, don't (laughs) include people who delight in harm, people who delight in immorality. 
delight in these 20 um, behaviors or activities or forms of conduct that indeed are harmful to self and other and um, lead to some kind of short-term gain and a long-term loss. <clears throat> so there are 20 of those and then the um, conclusion of verse 21 which is the same as 27 which puts a border on uh, the discussion so first 20 forms of harmful conduct then a concluding verse 21 then uh, a an example which is pretty straightforward of <laughs> some guy Sopaka become later known as Matanga who was an untouchable son or born into an untouchable low caste family and then basically um, achieved both fame and a high rebirth. <clears throat> high rebirth, uh, probably he was a non-returner. Reached the Brahma realm having given up sense desires. <clears throat> probably this is third stage awakening. And <clears throat> the point is, simply, his lowly birth didn't prevent him from being reborn in the Brahma realm. So... Uh, what's the point of doing all those pujas to Brahma and the other deities for the Hindus that are doctrinally uh, based? Well, what they really want is superior rebirth. They might want stuff and advantage and knowledge and power down here, but generally they also want uh, superior rebirth. Well, Gautama is saying, it's not by birth, by blood and birth and caste, nor ritual that one secures favorable rebirth. It's by conduct. Right conduct or right action, right speech, right livelihood, sila, virtue, morality, ahimsa, harmlessness. By that, one secures a higher birth. Boom. Period. Full stop. Not by grace, by works. <clears throat> and, you know, it, it. this is a big, big difference between the, Christ, the Christian doctrines, and probably all the Abrahamic doctrines, um, Judaism, Hebrew, Hebraism, uh, Christianity, Protestantism, Catholicism, and all that, Orthodox and non-Orthodox, and uh, Islam, or the, the various sects of, um, of Islam, <clears throat> um, they seem to believe that either Christ, Judaism, certainly by birth and by tribe, by blood, one secures um, favorable status, they seem to think. <clears throat> Islam may be the same. Christianity isn't the same, although there's some honor accorded to those that are born into certain families, it seems. Like the, the son of a preacher man. Uh, and so, birth, family, blood, tribe, portion, uh, birth, family, seems to be highly regarded or regarded as significant or somewhat significant, very or somewhat, to um, one's social status. Uh, and yet there seems to be a view, certainly in Christianity, that by works, by, by grace, one is saved. And that you can't, I think they had this conflict in the history of the church, if you believe that by works alone one's saved, um, you're heretic, <laughs> you're excommunicated, or you're... <clears throat> uh, that's considered heretical, I think, in certain groups, or all of them, that 
by works alone way one way one one may well be saved one may well be saved <clears throat> this is a mouth and fifth chakra training so it seems to be as far as i can tell that in many of the christian denominations there is a deliberate rejection of the notion that by works alone one may well be saved why well they're out of business if they uh, can't keep monopoly <clears throat> on um, the doctrines that associate with grace that are necessary, obligatory, required, exclusively necessary for salvation of the soul. If it's works alone, um, then you don't need the priest or the parish or the pope. You can do by works alone you can save your own, save yourself. Yeah, save your mind, your ass will follow. Tomorrow I will present that gift to you. A commentary on good thought, good thoughts, bad thoughts from P. Funk and Eddie Hazel and George Clinton. Tomorrow will be a special treat for the other class and you. And so um, save your mind, your fate will follow your proper fate or future destination will follow. And this is a critical point. The Buddhist teaching here, which is somewhat of a reformulation or correction to the Hindu prior Brahmanical Vedic system, is really that by works alone, by conduct, by virtuous conduct alone, one may secure higher rebirth. It's a very big deal. Not by grace, There's, it's not by the Buddha giving you stuff, not by puja and higher dimensional deities, Brahmins or Devas, and they're different, actually, I didn't really know that. Um, it's not by intercession of higher dimensional entities, nor intercession and uh, uh, divine grace by the supreme creator of the universe or creator of light. Not by that does one secure superior or or mm, beneficial rebirth but by conduct by sila by right action right livelihood right speech which naturally will will include right view it's certainly one one can't um, focus on morality sila samadhi you know sila um, virtue one can't focus on so-called morality, harmlessness, and and want to live this way uh, in accord with harmlessness unless one has some degree of right view. The right view being that that uh, karma is a uh, moral consequentiality. The law of karma is moral consequentiality associated with the morality of intention. Right? Uh, PureDhamma.net um, the, the worthy over there was saying uh, intention is everything in comic formation comma is intention yeah I think that's pretty damn right it's not particularly the action or it's less so the action and more so the intention by which one performs the action or conduct or speech that determines karmic um, the karmic um, load or seeding karmic seeding is 
not simply by behavior and conduct, but by the intention. So, right, one may break a window and steal a loaf of bread because uh, one's drunk or stoned and thinks that's cool and show off to one's uh, 12-year-old friends. One may break the window and steal the loaf for a starving child uh, in your home and you're willing to go to jail for it or whatever so your child doesn't die. Same activity, different motivation, different karmic, um, karmic formation or karmic uh, seeding. And so this, so Buddhism in many ways is a, you know, I mean, I'm biased, obviously. Uh, I would say a distillation or refinement of Hinduism or the Vedic tradition um, with some correction, <laughs> uh, particularly the notion that uh, birth doesn't prevent you from being reborn in a higher realm and uh, high birth doesn't prevent one from falling into a woeful state or from censure. And so let's look at the last few stanzas here. All right. I still have 20 minutes here. Oh... The, the, the case of uh, Sopaka, 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 who is Matanga, uh, having attained both fame and um, a higher, higher rebirth or uh, greater spiritual development, uh, born low didn't stop him from ending up high. And so his birth didn't prevent him from reaching the world of the Brahmas, or uh, high birth does not prevent the, um, sorry. Mm. Is, yeah, different arrangement. His birth did not prevent him from being reborn in the Brahma realm. Okay, we got that. So being born in a low caste family doesn't prevent great achievement as well as a great and very so-called high, right? There is high and low if we're looking at uh, a relative uh, scale of values or measure, uh, relative measurement scale, <laughs> scale by which there are measures that are relatively more or less. So there's higher rebirth, there are higher dimensions, higher uh, buildings and other lower buildings and smaller and the chakra the chakras associated with higher rebirth or so-called higher realms are the higher chakras, <laughs> four, five, six, seven. And so born low, he's reborn high. Likewise, though there are Brahmins born into family of scholars and the, chant, the phrase was with chance as their kinsmen. And so they're born into a family of scholars and Brahmins and they their brothers and sisters are chanting, <laughs> their family are Vedic priests. They may well be repeatedly seen with evil deeds, blameworthy in the here and now, and with a bad destination in the afterlife. So, of course, high birth doesn't prevent low rebirth. Low birth doesn't prevent high rebirth. So, born low, uh, 
end up in a very superior position after death or born high end up in a state of woe which is uh, the three states the animal realm hell realm and hungry ghost realm the states of woe and um, beings go there so whatever family you're born into whatever the blood the tribe the caste the clan whatever the le whatever the quality of your body strong or weak healthy or sickly uh, beautiful or ugly in all relative terms no matter what the state of your possessions wealthy or poor living in luxury or living in penury whatever the social status of birth and death or during the life high or middle or low uh, those conditions per se don't determine rebirth those conditions per se or achievements conditions of birth and achievements or conditions of body and social status and relative wealth or poverty per se they don't determine where a soul goes after death uh, likewise there would be no there would be a direct rejection of any Christic, Christological or Christian type view that by grace one is saved or one gets higher birth and so you can say that uh, Brahmanical Vedic priests chanting doing mm, sacrifice ritual ceremony puja and all this um, is a form of um, seeking grace is a form of uh, propitiate higher dimensional propitiation uh, offering to the gods to get some grace from them to get something from them in some cases in many cases it's to get the basis for improved rebirth and Gautama is saying it's not by magical ritual it's not by um, higher dimensional entities doing stuff for you it's not by birth and I would say it's not by body condition it's not by wealth or poverty it's not by social status by none of that is future life determined it's by conduct and action alone and particularly uh, particularly you know the basis of uh, right action right speech right livelihood how you live in the here and now and how you treat people okay so that's very straightforward uh, what's interesting is that um, even today um, people value themselves on what they have rather than what they've become and so we we're talking about this in the class before in a in a world or a human collective um, where the majority view is materialistic materialistic doesn't mean I like stuff it means uh, the realm of body-mind is all in such a view the heresy of materialism is the view there is no soul there are no higher dimensions there is no rebirth there is no law of karma or cause and effect beyond this lifetime there is no life beyond this life there is no God there is no plan there is no path there is no soul there is no spirit there is just this body and me whatever I is in this body for a short time 
and then I'm I'm snuffed out. That's it. Now, with such a view, which is also called atheism and uh, nihilism, and it's very nihilistic. Nihilism is part of the philosophy of no, <laughs> the the philosophy of rejectionism. No, 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 no. And uh, with such a view, which is it seems to be the majority position, uh, the majority report here seems to be nihilistic, whether they know it or not, even though they may value kindliness. Also, some people do. Maybe more people do than don't. Value decency. Common human decency. Yeah, sure. But um, with a nihilistic or a materialistic worldview, in general, there's no perceived objective constraint on immorality. And in such a situation, or with such a population, uh, to me, it's it's no wonder that people that, that there's so much confusion about uh, right and wrong, and and as somebody said in the class this morning, um, nihilism is irresponsibility. It's a, a nod to nod or a support for uh, a in an irresponsible way of living, in in the sense that. Uh, my responsibility responsibility is is severely limited when one's sense of self is severely limited or body mind <laughs> a materialist worldview is a severely limited view of self a severely constrained sense of obligation or sense of responsibility obligation in the sense of um, objective <laughs> obligation um, what's really important which is about purpose and goals right so what's life purpose well what's life if you you know the views of what is life uh, associate to the views of what is life purpose and the views of what is self uh, associate to the views of what is life so what is self what is I what am I and what is life those views uh, directly feed into a sense of purpose. And where people have no sense of purpose, they will be found to have quite severely limited, distorted, or uh, kind of vacant views of self and world and, and uh, life. So the views of self, what is I? And what is... Uh, this, this universe, this world around me, and the greater, the greater, the greater realm beyond what I, what's visible, what is it? The views of self, the views of life, determine or feed into the views of life purpose, or goals, personal goals. Those then feed into more into conduct, behavior, speech, and conduct. And that is the ground of uh, determining your future life. That is the that is the 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 field of seeding, in which conduct and speech seed the field of mind, the field of existence, the field of inner outer uh, non-dual um, existence that then establish seeds and causal 
streams for the future, which includes, in this view, <laughs> future rebirth. And um, those that have nihilistic, which is the essence, you know, materialistic slash nihilistic views of world or life have very, quite vacant and hollow, emptied, deficient, um, retarded views of identity or self. Thus, those naturally would have a wholly um, mono-incarnational, uni or single incarnational view of life purpose. Thus, those people um, see no objective external constraint to behavior or speech and behavior, to conduct. Why? Because they ain't going on. There's, there's no future. You can't take it with you. Well, there ain't yo, there ain't yo, there ain't no you going nowhere, so they'd think. So, it doesn't matter they can't take it, we can't take it with us, they may say. Uh, I don't care. I get, I'll, I'll, you know, struggle and scrap and uh, do whatever it takes, whatever it takes, to get whatever I want, or whatever I'm told that my boss wants me to do to get more of whatever I want. Because, hey, there's no accountability beyond the grave, so they think. And so that's where most people are coming from. That's where the people who are doing these various harmful activities, uh, 1 through 19, <laughs> uh, or 1 through 20, uh, that's where they're coming from. So it fits very well. Life view and self view, the sense of identity, the sense of the nature of the creation around us, the nature of existence or experience or incarnation, uh, spiritual or not, materialist or nihilist or limited to one or not, very much feeds into the sense of life purpose and goals and therefore conduct and behavior and speech and therefore karmic seeding and therefore future lives. And that's one reason that these souls keep repeating, because they have wrong view. They're, they're, they're mired in wrong view. Now, in terms of the um, particulars of <laughs> these uh, 20 forms of wrong speech, wrong action, wrong livelihood, uh, by which one uh, sets oneself up for rebirth as a hungry ghost or in hell, because it happens all the time to people who live like this. Um, there are some very interesting particular notions or particulars of them. Within the first, uh, again, it depends, I'm going to use the Piedasi translation here, uh, harbors hatred. Harbors hatred like a harbor. It means that you make yourself a home for hatred. I uh, my mind becomes a place in which hatred um, is a permanent resident. <laughs> the permanent residency of hate in this mind. The permanent residency uh, of jealousy or envy or aggression. Uh, that's a big problem. <laughs> that's harboring hate. Perverted in views, um, like I'm saying. Um, wrong views. Uh, not only wrong views, 
um, but views associated um, with aggression towards others. Tanisaro called it defective in his views. <laughs> uh, but that's particularly views that support harboring hatred, views that support continued resentment and um, a sort of delight in harm to others. And number two is, is similar to that. I mean, a few of these actually, the first three are about hatred or aggression. So number two, uh, no sympathy for living beings. No sympathy is a phrase that's, I think, important. Sympathy uh, is very much compassion or karuna or the second of the Brahma Viharas. Uh, this sympathy is feeling pain at their pain feeling grieved by their pain, seeing them in pain and feeling grief, some degree. Um, without that, uh, one is merciless, one uh, gets to be a stone-cold killer, which some people think that's really cool. Well, <laughs> uh, not really. Try it in practice and you'll see. Um, it, just, it just puts your mind in hell now and soon will lead to putting your next body in hell. And so, <clears throat> no sympathy for living beings is very much associated with um, the capacity for harboring hatred, um, making hatred a permanent resident in one's mind, uh, very much um, is based on the cremation of care, <laughs> literally and figuratively, if you know what I mean. And that's associated with destroying sympathy for living beings, destroying uh, empathetic connection, empathetic uh, resonance, which is a spiritual resonance. It's a resonance of fourth, fifth chakra, fourth, fifth, sixth chakra, particularly four and six, with others. <clears throat> and so blocking the capacity of fourth chakra to resonate with others um, destroys sympathy for others or living beings. You know, enjoying um, killing. I mean, children, little kids who uh, enjoy killing insects. They enjoy it. Not many, but some. Those who enjoy it are those who have past life roots in um, basically self-desensitization, destroying any resonance of heart chakra to others' pain or grief. And that's a basis for harboring hatred, no doubt. Three is about stealing, and the Buddhist notion of stealing is don't take what's not given. So it's a little more subtle, it's a little bit more uh, determined than what people say, don't steal. Don't, ta don't take what's not being literally given. Uh, but again, you know, depends on intention, so <laughs> uh, stealing to protect or uh, take care of the beloved or the innocent or those that that really deserve care um, is a totally different type of stealing. So I owe no debt to you. Number five about is another aspect of stealing, which is um, willfully um, rejecting repayment of a debt we've taken. I owe no debt to you, <laughs> and so. Number six, um, covet, covetousness, uh, grabbing what others have. Um, 
uh, number seven, uh, again, how um, covetousness or desire to get, ambition, uh, material greed, supports further <laughs> harm, such as lying. Utters lies when questioned as a witness, right? <laughs> how many lying politicians are there in this world? Well, presumably, um, some of them are on the negative path, so I guess they'll get some kind of reward for their lying, their continued negative polarization. But a whole lot of them are not on the negative path, and um, they lie quite freely. It's part of the job description, you know. Uh, so lots of people with power in the world lie quite freely for the sake of wealth. For the sake of wealth. For a buck. And so for a buck, they lie and um, some of them will be putting themselves into states of woe after death. Uh, then we have sexual misconduct, consenting with, by force or with consent. And so uh, sleeping with other people's spouses by consent, by force, was considered a wrong action here. And again, I think it depends on intention or... Um, the nature of what of the relationship. So it, it's some of these, I think, uh, where human consciousness, uh, well, let's just say intentionality. Uh, in general, the, to the audience that Gautama was addressing, um, nearly all <laughs> who were associating with wives of relatives or friends were not doing so with any notion of service and mutual spiritual development. <laughs> it, by force, clearly, is rape and wrong action and harm. By consent, even with consent association, meaning sexual congress with uh, spouses of relatives and friends. Uh, at that time, I would assume that <laughs> 99 out of 100 or more uh, in the audience that might hear this were by consent associating sexually with those not out of service or desire for mutual support, you know, mutual spiritual development. But I would, you know, I mean, I have some disagreement with this in some case, uh, but by force is clearly um, harmful action. So, anyway, that... Uh, Maybe I'm not developed enough, or maybe some of these, I think, clearly, are um, geared to the audience. <laughs> you could say they're all geared to the audience. And you can say that some of, some of the standards of morality at that time and of today should rightly be modified based on the changed consciousness of some of the listeners of today. <laughs> Not all, but some. Some of the listeners of today um, have greater love, wisdom, development. And um, therefore, some of these moral teachings may be somewhat modified or need to be somewhat qualified um, to be appropriate to, to those or us. But some of these are pretty straightforward. So not supporting mother and father if you're wealthy or 
Um, though capable, Tanisaro translated as though capable doesn't support mother and father. And this is again the, the Buddhist, um, a very one of the critical Buddhist moral conduct uh, or ethical principles is taking good care of your parents. This doesn't seem to include when parents beat you and lie to you and manipulate you or do mind control or do crazy things that are harmful. How do you deal with them? Well, <laughs> that wasn't addressed here. So you got to figure it out yourself. <clears throat> uh, but family was was understood as pretty important uh, because these are your closest karmic uh, soul f uh, associates, karmic associates or metaphysical uh, circle of family um, is in many ways those that some of those that we may have a strongest metaphysical connection with. Not all, and and clearly uh, some are real troublesome. But um, there is there seems to be a special category here <clears throat> for parents and and family and relatives, closest relatives, particularly mother, father, brother, sister, mother-in-law, father-in-law. Okay, so your wife, your husband your mother, your father, your children, brother, your sister, mother-in-law, father-in-law, there's a special category of ethical conduct or they represent a special category of associations for um, heightened moral conduct, it seems. It's not, it's not recommended to strike or annoy anyone, <laughs> but particularly one seems to have some kind of metaphysical responsibility more so to the closest family and especially, particularly parents. <clears throat> it's an interesting phrase here, uh, annoys by harsh speech. <laughs> some people definitely speak uh, harshly to annoy people. And um, it's, uh, Tanisar wrote it, reviles with his speech. But it, Piyadasi's translation of um, number 10, annoys by harsh speech, <laughs> is um, interesting because it really is true. Some people like to annoy others by their mouth. <clears throat> and while that's not killing and cheating, um, it's surely wrong speech. And will lead to mouth sores and jangled chiclet teeth and all sorts of trouble with your mouth and your lips and your jaw and your throat. Of course. <laughs> the delighting in annoying harsh speech. And some people do it. And um, good to leave them alone. Uh, and some others closer to the end here are for is sort of um, misconduct associated with service or help or teaching or guidance. When questioned at 11, what question about the good he says what's detrimental. He's evasive, talks in an evasive manner. How many teachers cannot admit, I'm wrong, I was, I don't know it. <laughs> I was wrong, and I don't know. Hmm? Very rarely do you hear so-called experts or people with some authority saying, I was wrong, and I don't know. I don't know, I didn't know, I was wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> Weather forecasters never do that. <clears throat> so most people, um, they love evasion. But, you know, things are, things are finished faster when you're direct. 
committing an evil deed, 12, wishing to be known, uh, committing it in secret, well, <laughs> normally we want to keep things we're ashamed of in secret. Uh, further down, <clears throat> um, 16 is interesting. Whosoever in this world shrouded in ignorance, avidya, meaning they're not finished with the path, speaks harsh words, asatam, or falsehood, expecting to gain something. Uh, and this um, this notion of wrong speech for profit, <laughs> a liar and a propagandist for profit. Um, I believe uh, some of those people are in the lower hells, according to Dante. <laughs> it's it's um, I will lie and fool you and hurt you with my mouth because I'm getting money for it. <laughs> These people definitely are setting themselves up for some serious dukkha in the future. <clears throat> Debased by his pride, 17. Um, so, the person who's proud is self-debasing. They think they're self-elevating. They think they're mounting atop others but actually they're debasing themselves by pride which is intrinsically foolish pride or foolishness or folly so you exalt yourself and you belittle the other you'll set yourself up for more trouble in relationship in the future of course and so you can see that the punishment always fits the crime and so if you want to look at uh, karmic returns which we can't get into you can imagine that um, one of the source of um, being disrespected. I mean, people who grow up, I mean, people should think, you know, <laughs> we're not holy, you know. <laughs> we have uh, we have had lots, we've made lots of trouble in, in, in family, in relationship, in society, in past lives. I mean, how closely have you attended to morality in your past lives, my friends? How closely have we attended to morality in our past lives? Eh? as closely as we may be doing now I don't think so so then what what type how how could it not be then that we get some painful karmic return this life like people who belittle us or people who don't appreciate us or parents who are neglectful or friends that deceive and betray uh, or body conditions and chronic ill health that doesn't go away it's all, according to this view, the result of karmic um, transgressions or immoral activities and conduct of speech and behavior in past lives. That's normal. That's how it's seen. I don't know. Maybe it's all fantasy. The materialists are right? No, I don't think so. So then, it's, <laughs> you know, you get what you've given. And so... We should uh, not think of ourselves as, uh, you know, precious snowflake holy holy people, because the reality is, I mean, soul is a being, self is a being of infinite worth. Yes, indeed, self is a being of infinite worth. Said Ra, I agree, infinite worth. Yes, indeed, and in time and space, very few of us have been meticulous about morality in past lives. Got it? <laughs> very few of us. Me too. Maybe some other past lives I have, or some yes, some no. <clears throat> but I would not 
I would never say, yes, I've been meticulous about morality in all of my past human lives. Come on. Come on. Get it. <laughs> so, none of us have, nearly none of us have been meticulous about morality in our past lives. So, therefore, we end up with, you know, parents that are, um, you know, imperfect. Or neglectful, or rude, or... Uh, unloving or this, that, and the other thing that we don't like that causes us pain, that causes us emotional wounding that we now got to heal. So, you know, let's grow up and stop idealizing, you know, let's not be bored. Don't be borderline. Get off the borderline. Get off the borderline and come come into the... Uh, uh, join the team for the big win, son, said uh, the crazy general in... Uh, Full Metal Jacket. <clears throat> so get off the borderline and stop idealizing and devaluing. Stop idealizing other and devaluing self, or idealizing self and devaluing other. It's not helpful. Let's see reality. <clears throat> and the worst of the worst of the worst is 20 here. The lowest of the outcasts, the thief, and the one that is really a troublemaker, is the one who says, I'm completely enlightened. <laughs> uh, whosoever, though not an Arahan, claims to be an Arahan, he is the thief in this world with its Brahmas. He is the vilest of outcasts, said Tanasaro. The lowest or vilest of outcasts is the one who says, I am a living Buddha, and is not. If he is, well, that's cool. But <laughs> uh, nearly none of them who say they are are nearly none. And in fact, when they are, they nearly never say. Because, um, not necessary. So, um, while number 20 is the lowest of the outcasts, the one who says he's the highest attained when he's not, uh, we can moderate that a little bit. And um, any spiritual teacher uh, who seems who states or claims some high attainment when it's not true, which <laughs> you can only figure out for yourself, um, is a very dastardly uh, fellow. And um, this is the time of false prophets, so they're all around. Or there are numbers all over the place. So, be careful. Uh, I think that's all we're going to say today. <clears throat> um, low, um, low birth, or particularly um, in, inferior or lowly, conditions of birth and family and body conditions or condi or health and poverty and low status this doesn't prevent a great spiritual attainment uh, and a very favorable uh, joyous and blissful rebirth in a higher dimension likewise uh, so-called high social status, birth family, blood, caste, tribe, whatever, and body condition, and uh, relative financial condition, um, and privilege and position in the society in adulthood, that doesn't prevent uh, going to hell after death either, or being a wandering hungry ghost. There are more than a few wandering hungry ghosts that were politicians and uh, bosses and criminals and living high on the hog before they died. Quite a few. So, <laughs> there you go. 
Anyway, I hope that was enjoyable. <clears throat> um, I didn't look... Uh, I'll send it on the link, the um, page on Buddhist rebirth and different planes of existence. It's a nice page. They seem to have a strong connection to Burmese Buddhism. So, from the British Library, har har. And yet, despite that being from the British Library, um, it seems to be a good write-up on the 31 planes. Uh, I recommend that, so I'll be in the description. Uh, next time, we will look further into Sutta Nipata. Uh, particularly, we'll go to number 8, very famous Karaniya Metta Sutta, the Buddha's words on loving kindness. And that's where you get the four Brahma Maharas. <clears throat> and so Metta Sutta, uh, everybody likes that because they like to focus on, on happy things. <laughs> Nobody focused on the outcasts and downfall. Isn't that interesting? But next time we will uh, enjoy dessert after the bitter appetizers. So thank you for being here. I hope it was helpful. Um, thank you to everyone. Take good care of yourselves. See you next time, and good night. <laughs>